1: welcome to another episode of the adventure games podcast i hope everybody listening is well and for this episode i had the delightful pleasure to speak to david younger of inklingwood studios and he spoke to me all about his upcoming adventure game foolish mortals <laughs> yeah sorry i can't help saying that name with uh silly villainous voice uh david if you want another voice actor you know uh, where to get me But anyway, I spoke to David all about his upcoming game, uh, which he called a Bacabra game with with comedy aspects as well, uh, right on time for Halloween. Uh, His Kickstarter uh, was successful in one day. So uh, we speak about that and uh, all about the game. And it's looking really, really good. I'm just playing the demo and really enjoying it. And I cannot wait to play the full game. But in the meantime, here is my interview with David Younger. Please enjoy. Uh, so I am joined by uh, David Younger of Inklingwood Studio who is developing uh, foolish mortals and uh, you're on Kickstarter now. so hello David. How are you?
2: Hello I'm really good. You must be after very the, good now. <laughs> after the what I saw this morning, I, yeah, I, I'm over the moon right now. I expected thirty full days of panic and worry, and that we hit it in 24 hours has just blown me away.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been pretty incredible. You've uh, you reach your goal in in one day. I mean, I would I would love to be able to take credit for the success of your Kickstarter, but you succeeded before our interview. So we don't really need to chat, <laughs> do we? we? Oh, we'll <laughs> no, just finish it here. Nice to talk so, to you. Yeah, nice to chat with you, Dave. So that's David Younger, everyone. Uh, <laughs> no, i still delighted to um, uh, to chat with you. As I mentioned before recording, when you first announced your game, uh, I was hoping to have you on the podcast because the, the screenshots and the story uh, kind of, uh, you know, kind of like, oh, I'm very interested and. The, the, the screenshots in the background as well when you put this on Facebook um, now I will allow you to speak and oh, allow you you will speak in a, just a moment I promise but when you first announced the game on Facebook now usually I mean there's a lot of developers who announce their games on Facebook sometimes it might get three or four likes three comments sometimes it might be some less than positive feedback to say oh you know it's not but you got, I don't know, something hundred and something likes and don't have any comments, all positive, which is unheard of on social media and Facebook.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I was quite amazed by that. I, th- I, I, I think it's because the graphic style that we're going for isn't a one that's typically done with indie adventures. Mm. And so because of that, it kind of stands out a little. Well, I hope at least.
1: I, I, th- I think I uh, think it it does. It's uh, I mean the backgrounds look fantastic. Now uh, there are people who have joined us: Gerald Hill and Liam Orr Findlay. Uh, believe you know these people?
2: <laughs> I do. These have all, all contributed to the game So Hi guys.
1: Well, hello guys and uh, and jo- uh, Sorry, apologies because I'm going to butcher your name, jo- George Diaku. he uh, says can't wait in the chat as well. And uh, and yeah, well, hello everyone. If you're watching us live, uh, thank you for joining us. If you have any questions for David Younger, please feel free to put them in the chat, and I'll be happy to ask them. Uh, it's great, great if it's interactive. It's not just me asking <laughs> questions because I'm sure people have better questions than I would have. Um, so well, uh, the, George says, here, close I'll, enough. <laughs>
2: I'll, I'll introduce who they are. Yes, so so um, George is one of the animators that's worked on the game who works oh. for Jammy Custard Animation who just, they're incredible animation that they do. Just every time they send me a new bit of animation, I just have to dance around the room at how cool it is.
1: Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good thing that we we're saying positive things about the animation and the background. <laughs>
2: <to that> <laughs> but
1: genuinely. Um,
2: and, then, and then Gerald is the voice of the fisherman, Ned Kipps, in, oh, in, in, in the demo. I haven't come across him yet in the, yet in the demo as well. Oh. And uh, Liam is, uh, Liam's done two quite unusual things. He's done the artwork for the puzzle book, which is one of the Kickstarter rewards. And he also is the mastermind behind the sense Pack, the Spectral Scents from the Devil's Rock Perfumery, um, because he actually works for a, a theme park smell company called Aroma Prime, and messaged me saying, why don't we do some smells for your adventure game?
1: Wow. Okay. This this looks. This sounds pretty cool. Are we, are we talking about the uh, the benefits and uh, what are the rewards for backing uh, the game on Kickstarter, which um, is out now. It's still going. Yeah. You. Uh, yeah. You it's it put,
2: November third or fourth, I
1: think. Uh, so you're probably getting it like a million dollars by then. That's <laughs> I <don't laughs>
2: the think. The so. way it's I, going. <laughs> my my full expectation is it's just going to plateau here and just that's all it'll stay on top for the next thirty days.
1: that's what I'm worried about I mean look we we shall see we'll be talking stretch goals Uh, also Josh Ritter says hello so hello Josh Um, so again thank you everyone for joining any questions put them in the chat yes you can ask questions even if you're a part of the game Uh, (laughs) feel free to do so Um, well actually for people uh, watching and suppose for people listening later on as well uh, would you like to see a trailer I know you've probably seen this a million times before Um, but just to get us started, would you like to see a trailer of uh, Foolish Mortals? Uh, okay, it will be seamless. Uh, yes, I should have prepared this, but, oh, we're somewhere, uh... Uh, oh, there we go, so here is a trailer for Foolish Mortals.
3: From Inklingwood Studios comes a merry and macabre point-and-click adventure game, Foolish Mortals. As young adventurer Murphy McCallan, follow cryptic clues and solve perplexing puzzles across the enigmatic island of Devil's Rock, in search of the lost treasure of Belmore Manor, where 30 years ago, an entire wedding suddenly and mysteriously vanished. But to find a location known only by the dead, you'll have no choice but to ask them. Then when your esoteric explorations awaken an evil phantom, determined to find the treasure before you, what follows is a chilling chase through crumbling crypts, voodoo vaults, and the mysterious manor itself in a supernatural battle that spans both life and death. Stopping that arcane evil will require not only reaching the treasure first, but also finding out what happened in the house all those years ago. In order to do that, perhaps you'll need to die too. Foolish mortal.
1: So you saw that lovely big box at the end there as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I had to put that in because I know a lot of Adventure Game fans want big boxes and I had to just put that there to show <laughs> I like big boxes too. As you can tell from what I've got behind me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've got them, well, back in my uh, other house, my well, my family home, but I had to bring them up now as well. Um, so uh, well, George said. Whenever I showed it to friends, I'm just saying that's my bit. That's also my bit. <laughs> <laughs> and you should be so proud. You should be very proud of it. Um, and uh, now Liam had a question. We will get to that question uh, in just a bit. But my first question to you would be like what I ask all the developers who are on this podcast. Probably the most difficult question, although maybe not in this case. Uh, what is or are your favorite adventure games?
2: It is. Well, it's a tricky question. There are a lot. <laughs> I'd say the, the two biggest ones are the two that I go on about as the big inspirations behind the game, which are Broken Sword, particularly Broken Sword 1, but Broken Sword mm. Two and Five are spectacular as well. And um Monkey Island two specifically, but specifically? also all the Monkey Islands are brilliant.
1: Yeah, um, specifically Monkey Island two. Oh, that's
2: yeah. Oh, it's a good I choice.
1: Think...
2: <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it's that they're, they're fantastic. Just absolutely brilliant. But then I love, I love loads of other ones. Toonstruck, I think, is brilliant. Mm, that's, the Discworld yeah. games are fantastic. Um, yeah, Grim Fandango. I, yeah, I'm just going to list adventure games
1: <laughs> now. I think. <laughs> well, I'm actually started started playing Discworld a couple of years ago. I bought them legally on eBay for the PlayStation because I right. paid quite, not not too much, but uh, I remember it was. Uh, quite stressful because it was myself and another person bidding for the game. <laughs> and then my dad got involved and, you know, we were, we were bidding like one or two cents above the other person. And with the last second, I got it. So I thought yeah. I might as well uh, start to play it myself. <laughs> um... Yeah,
2: I, I remember having the big box back in the 90s and then mm. I threw away just, I think, all but two of my big boxes. And now I'm trying to just recollect the whole collection they had, plus all
0: the ones I didn't have as well. Yeah. So no. I've, I've been
2: doing a lot of eBaying for big boxes <laughs> as well. It might have been me you were bidding against.
1: <laughs> well, this isn't a big box, so I don't know right. if that if it was you, but oh, I mean that would have been very funny if it was you. Well, if it was you, sorry, <laughs> if you're listening or watching this, sorry, but uh, you know, I would want. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, um, but yeah, so before we talk about the game itself, uh, why, can tell, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, what your experiences? is. Um, so what, what have you, what were you doing before you started working on this game? So what was your, your job before you started this? Or- um, so my
2: background is actually in theme park design.
1: Interesting.
2: Um, and so I, I got to work at Walt Disney Imagineering in California for some time. Then after that, I went freelance and was doing freelance theme design for a while. Then I went into toy design, but I was still taking on kind of theme design projects as well. I wrote a book. Um, uh, so Liam knows about this because he's a, he's a theme park person as well. I wrote a book on, <laughs> on theme park design, um, which has really been quite successful. Um, but it, yeah, it was mainly theme park design. And actually, the reason that I got into doing the adventure game, apart from wanting to do an adventure game since I was five i think i think right when i was a kid i was designing adventure games on paper um and i knew at some point i wanted to do an adventure game and it was actually um COVID that made me make the leap to doing it because when that happened all theme park design work just dried up because all the projects went on hold mm-hmm. so i thought hey well if i've got some free time i've been wanting to make this adventure game for ages now's the best time to do it <laughs> And it kind of worked out well as well, because um, my wife was working as a teacher before COVID, then she went on maternity leave and COVID happened. So she had a bunch of time um, where she wasn't um, working. So she said, I'll learn to program it," And she's done amazing. Like this entire game is programmed by my wife. Um, apart from maybe two more complicated scenes, and she'd wow. never done programming before. Before Foolish Mortals, I'd never designed a video game before Foolish Mortals, but it seems to be working out.
1: Yeah, that, that's astonishing. I mean, that you, well, you and she just picked up. Well, she picked up programming just, well, when she was off and during COVID. So COVID was, you know, good for something at least. At least we got this game. <laughs>
2: Yeah it's trying to make the best of a bad situation
1: isn't it. Yeah I mean I know covid I mean I would hope not to go back to lockdowns and that but um and of course you know I know a lot of people are suffering with covid but at least now uh on the positive side uh, we're getting a really really good uh looking game from provit so one other, well, congratulations uh, to the both of you. you've made the leap uh and uh and at least from the demo and the trailer and the, the screenshots it looks uh, fantastic. Um, so, so you took the leap then, and so first of all, your company—you set up the company Inklingwood then. And I'm always curious uh, how people come up with the names of companies. So, uh, <laughs> how did you come up with the name of, of this one? What is Inklingwood?
2: Well, actually, it come, it goes back to when when I was doing theme park design, and so the the book that I wrote was published by another by well by the same company, but under the trading name Inklingwood Press, and Inklingwood was a themed attraction that I just designed for fun, um, where it was just in a forest and you could go down into tunnels and there was a, gonna be a pirate ship there. It was, it was just, a, just a fun hobby project that I designed, in Um And there were gonna be these, um, it was all gonna be based on storybooks. And the idea was that these little ink creatures came up out of the books and created, created this attraction. And this was before Splatoon. Or at least it was <laughs> I knew about Splatoon, but then I found out they're called Inklings, I think. So I think that's right. But it, it wasn't meant to be that way. So yeah, so and then so uh, I did some, I've also done some Lego design as well. Oh um, but some um, instructions for that under Inkling Bricks. And then so when I got to the, uh, to video game design, I needed another one. So Inklingwood Studios, that could be a
1: F- fantastic. And how did you find the change? You're going from designing team park uh well t- t- team park um ex- well rides uh leem says by the way david's book is the bible of the team park industry <laughs> <laughs> so uh so you, you're quite well known it seems <laughs> so, uh, so how, how do you take you know the skills that you learned uh, from designing team park rides and that into making this video game are there some that are are similar or are they did learn new things is completely new experience for you or uh, how did you find it
2: well, I think so much overlaps. It's it's crazy mm. how much it overlaps. So the theme park design that I was doing is it's very much the the Disney and Universal style of putting a guest inside a story, like building a story in physical dimensions, and that's just what a video game is. It's telling the story through the environment that you go through, particularly adventure games, and all of that um, kind of um, kind of uh, like slow. Um, delivery of story elements and environments that are captivating and the thematic experience of all, all of that overlaps. I, I joke video game design and theme park design are pretty much exactly the same. Only I don't have to worry about queue lines and restrooms anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. You don't have people complaining about, uh, about the queue lines. and,
2: uh, and uh, I, I'd also say part of the game might be just wish fulfillment that I wish that I could walk around the rides at a theme park without getting told off by, by the employees. And an adventure game allows me to do that.
1: Well, well I mean, that's how Monkey Island started from uh, the exactly, theme park ride. Yeah. And history was made then. So uh, uh, we, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think Ron Gilbert designed theme park right. I believe Larry Ahern <laughs> does. Uh, Noah Falstein. Jonathan Ackley. And Jonathan
2: Ackley. Lucas Arts. Yeah, he went yeah. to Walt Disney Imagineering. I actually, I had, when I was at Imagineering, I had lunch with him one day. Oh. And it took all self-restraint I had not to just geek out about Curse of Monkey Island with him.
1: Oh, so you had And did you ask him about uh, Monkey Island?
2: I did ask him a bit about it, yeah. I couldn't <laughs> resist. And uh, he told me how um, Murray is in one of the attractions he designed at Magic Kingdom. Oh wow. I don't think that was I don't think that was public knowledge until he went on he joined Twitter and then he told everyone about it there. So for a good number of years, I knew that Murray was there so before the people lived.
1: You had the inside scoop then.
2: Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also that attraction that he designed, he managed to get Monkey Island music into the attraction, which I just think is Did fantastic. That, oh yeah, Magic Kingdom. Um there's a, where you sign up for the, the adventure that you go on. There's Monkey Island music. And I went in there when I was in Florida and I was just going, oh, oh, oh. And the <laughs> cast member there actually went, what? What's, what's so special? And I had to explain what it was.
1: And did the cast member himself or herself know?
2: No. I had no idea. But <laughs> I, I appreciated that. it. I thought it was awesome.
1: It's these little things that uh, yeah. that the, the people add that like Jonathan Ackley. Oh no, that, that's that's fantastic. Okay. Um, so um, now Liam had a question. I suppose you have already started to answer it. When, how did this project start? So I suppose then you spoke, spoke about how during COVID and I started it. Uh, I, I suppose um, what, what kind of um, uh, how did you come up with this story? Uh, this <laughs> First of all, what is the story? What is the setup uh, for the okay. game? And then how did you come up with, uh, with this?
2: Okay, so Foolish Mortals, I describe as a merry and macabre point and click adventure game. And the, the setup for it is you play Murphy McAllen, who's a young treasure hunter um, without much of a past, but he found this, he got given this magazine which told him the story of Belmore Manor and the lost treasure that is said to still lay somewhere on Devil's Rock and decided, Murphy decided, if I haven't got much of a past, this can be my ticket to a future. I'm gonna go there and try and find it. And so as Murphy, you go to the island and quickly find out that only the dead know where the treasure is hidden. But if only the dead know where the treasure is hidden, you just gotta ask the dead. (laughs) Part one of the game is um, you've got a voodoo manuscript, you've got to collect five ingredients um, to cast a summoning spell, to summon the ghosts of the mansion, so that you can ask them where the treasure is.
1: Oh, not nice! So it's as you mentioned, it's macabre. So these—I mean, you say just asking the dead as if that's a very easy, normal thing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so how, how in in the game then? How do you uh, how do you ask the dead? Are they ghosts? Are they corpses? <laughs>
2: well, when you get there, the witch doctor tells you that. There there are spirits in the house, but they're trapped halfway between the mortal realm and the spirit realm. Um, And they've been trapped there for the 30 years since a wedding at the house just suddenly and mysteriously disappeared. No one knows why it disappeared, why the people um, um, vanished and everything. But they're stuck in the house. You can't see them, but they're stuck in the house. And so if you want to talk to them, you have to follow the witch doctor's advice and summon them. Um, so that you can start to talk to them.
1: Yeah, and and, uh, as I mentioned to you before recording, just that whole backstory, which is in the demo, um, there are multiple twists and turns. I'm not going to reveal it here, because I think it might be nice for people to see it themselves, but it, it went completely the opposite of how I thought it would go, and how stories like that would go, <laughs> that's uh, like, oh, and this happened, oh, I didn't expect that. And then, oh, and then it went this direction. <laughs> um, yeah, and-
2: I'm, I'm, it, the, the whole the whole story has a bunch of twists in it. And it's very much like a mystery story, like throughout, as well as trying to find this treasure, you very quickly find out that the only way to find the treasure is to try and figure out what happened in the house 30 years ago. And we've, I've tried to make it so that it, there's four parts to the game just like a Monkey Island game. Um, and I've tried to make it so that there is some new twist, some new story reveal, something exciting that happens at every part as you go through it. And I can't wait for people to, to hear the full story.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, what I love about speaking to developers such as yourselves is that it's clear the passion that goes into making games like this, that this isn't, you know, to, I mean, it'd probably help if you had a lot of money and fame and all of that, but <laughs> it's clear that the reason you guys are making these games is your passion for the genre and passion for these games as well. So and I, I can't wait to play the game and to find out the secrets.
0: Yeah, um, that, that's the thing.
2: I, I still have completely vivid memories of being five years old and sitting in my cousin's computer room playing Monkey Island 1 on the Amiga it's and it's just, I, i've wanted to make an adventure game for so long i just yeah i needed to do it
1: well well now you are well on your way uh to <laughs> making uh an adventure game and i, I suppose how did this uh idea co- come about there are more questions in the chat which i will get to but uh, how did the idea for this particular story uh co- come about um in this haunted island with ghosts and treasure and <laughs>
2: Well, when I decided I wanted to make an adventure game, I I, I wrote down, I actually wrote three different stories, like one page story synopses, and one of them had a bit of a gimmick to do, and I just thought well, there's no way I can do that for uh, my first adventure game. And then I had two other ones, and one was this big, um, grand story I'm absolutely in love with it, and the other one I thought was okay, but not quite the adventure game, my dream adventure game. And so I decided, actually I'm going to Make the one that I wasn't that as passionate about. I actually decided decide that was what oh, turned into foolish mortals. <laughs> but my my reasoning for it was if this is my I'm not con- going to be able to do my first adventure game justice, so I'll go with the smaller project because that's more manageable, more doable. Problem is I can I just fell in love with it even more <laughs> than the one that I thought was my dream project. Now foolish mortals is by far the the project I'm so captivated by. And you get this advice of when you're doing a video game for the first time, start small. Mm. And I did start small, but it grew. (laughs) Got bigger and bigger. (laughs) Yeah. It's very much now a full length monkey Island, broken sword length adventure game. (laughs) But I figured if I need, if I want to make my dream adventure game, I might as well do it properly.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if I would consider this small per se from what I've seen of it or from the demo at least it does. I know that from the demo that uh, it seems at least part one is self-contained that it's on the island. Uh, but still, there seems to be you know, good few locations and uh, that you know that we can visit. So um... yeah, I think the,
2: the demo has eight locations, I think, in it, but part one of the game has the full part one of the game which the demo is a segment of has I think uh, just under 20 locations okay and- um, so it's it's a lot bigger and obviously the demo has you find two of the ingredients the full game has you find five of the ingredients so it yeah it definitely gets bigger.
1: okay and uh, now then as we mentioned your Kickstarter succeeded on its very first day. Um, now we can talk about stretch goals in just a bit, but do you plan on making the game even bigger now? Or have you just decided, are you still thinking, what What do we do with this extra money? <laughs>
2: Actually, yeah, I'm over the moon that I get to make it bigger. So because I am trying to make a game that's like at the scale of Broken Sword and Monkey Island, but with a, with a budget that is a tiny, tiny fragment of the budgets they have, I did have to be really kind of strict with myself about... Mm what I could put into the game and what I needed to cut out. I think they talk about minimal, minimum viable product. I thought, well, what's the minimum, minimum I need to produce an adventure game that I'd be proud of and happy with? Um, but part of that was that the original voodoo manuscript was going to have you find more than five voodoo ingredients. Um, so I did have possible other puzzles figured out okay. how they could be. And so I just announced two of the stretch goals today actually. And the first stretch goal is to add two additional backgrounds into the game. Um, and the key thing there is that there are additional backgrounds in the game that are tied into their story. They're not just like filler backgrounds that go in the middle and not, you don't really do anything on them. There is actually gonna be meaningful interaction that takes place on them. And then the other stretch goal that I announced was to add a sixth food to ingredient back onto that manuscript with a whole puzzle chain that you'll have to go through just like the other five ingredients.
1: Nice, so already now you can add stuff that you previously cut out of the game.
2: Yeah, that's so, it. Okay. And, and, there's, and there's there's also, because I'm what I'm trying to do is kind of gather feedback from people as much as I can on what stretch goals they would like into the game. And one of the bits of feedback I've had so far was some of the backgrounds feel a bit too static Um, And so one of the stretch goals, if we if we manage to get there is I want to add in additional animation in the background, like seagulls flying in the background or twinkling stars and any background that has the stars in it or the waves slightly rippling or or, um, reflecting light off the moon, things like that, just to respond to what people have suggested.
1: Yeah, that's another thing. And I think, uh, again, I mentioned this before, Recur, that you and the team are doing very well, is you're engaging in with the community um, that for the Kickstarter and on Discord and on the internet. Uh, and you are working on the feedback. I believe you've already added some changes to the demo based on some of the feedback. Or, again, already, which yeah, is yeah. Uh, we, pretty we, remarkable.
2: <laughs> I think that's pretty much our entire day yesterday was me just responding to everything on Kickstarter whilst my wife sat next to me taking in bug reports and suggestions of fixes and just immediately programming them out and and, t- and testing things out so that we could put out yeah i think we we put out a 1.1 version of the demo today which had about 12 changes in it wow um yeah all all responding to bug reports that we received or suggestions on how people think things should be changed like we we increased murphy's walk speed that was one of the, the that was like the major thing that we got back <laughs> which is totally reasonable thing to do. Especially, I, I mean, I, I should have guessed that after playing Return to Monkey Island, where Guybrush just zooms uh, yeah the background. <laughs> thought, okay, that's how you need to do it nowadays. It's not 1997 anymore. So yeah, we've put that in.
1: We're all very impatient and demanding players yeah. now. There's there, there's a lot of games to play, a lot of things to do, and then I want to go watch Netflix. And so we're very <laughs> impatient. <laughs>
2: that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. But that's that's exactly right. And I yeah, I didn't want people to be frus- frustrated with the puzzles. It's that thing of the demo is for two things. It's for one, it's to show off. This is what we're planning. Pl- what, pl- what we're planning for the game. Do you like it? Um, please back us, and the other is to say what well, don't you like about it, so mm. that we can make those changes and and make it a game that people want to play.
1: Yeah, no, it seems to be working so far. Um, uh, well, I'll just get to some of the comments now from uh, some of the people. So, first of all, George says the Inkling tri- trilogy, <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> which uh, would be would be nice. I'd be up for it so far. <laughs> yeah, three um, stories,
0: yeah. Uh, no, I think that would be the
2: decade of my life. <laughs> Well, hopefully Um, it'd be well worth
1: it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Gerald, I mean, look, some people take 10 years to make one game. I have spoken to one or two developers (laughs) who've been working for 10 years and over on one game. So if you can make three games in that time, yeah, that is a success. That's that's a success. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Gerald Hill again says, I can't wait to see the other games uh, because this one is is amazing. (laughs) Uh, One of the questions, actually, Liam asked about the attraction that had the Monkey Island music. He yeah, asked, what attraction has this music?
2: They're that one back. is um, A Pirate's Adventure, Treasure of the Seven Seas. Oh. It was where you get get you get given a pirate map and um, you walk around Adventureland and you get to trigger things like a cannon firing or a skeleton rising them out of the water. Um, yeah, that just sounds by... Interesting. It's really clever. It's really fun.
1: Okay. Well, next, if, when, if I ever do get to go there, I'll have to check it
2: out. um but i mean jonathan actually is is incredible because he really brought adventure games to theme parks there's a bunch of attractions that he did that are all about they're they're not rides as in you sit in a ride system but you just you walk around the park and you're able you're given some device that can trigger things around you and mm. they they're they're so fun to play and they have puzzles in them as well and you've got choices do you go to this place would you go to this place and they're, they're, yeah, they're really clever. They even have, I mean, the, the, if when we talk about the big box, this will come out, but do you know the term feelies that was used by Infocom for the things that came in the box?
1: Uh, Remind me again, because I started so, after Infocom.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was I was after them, as after Infocom as well, but I got fascinated by the stuff. They used to, their big boxes used to come with all sorts of weird stuff. Like, I think the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy game came with a miniature space fleet which is just like a Ziploc bag with nothing in it because obviously they were miniaturized, but they labeled it that way. And it was really
1: cool. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And like monkey Island did it as well with the code wheel, but these things that you can feel and Jonathan Ackley was so clever with, um, some of the games he worked on, like Kim possible world showcase adventure at Epcot, because there are moments where you'll go into a shop and you'll have to say a code phrase to a cast member. And then they'll give you like a tea bag, or something, but the tea bag has a code on it that you put into the telephone booth, um, in the in the in the United Kingdom pavilion, and oh, it's yeah, that, it's that
1: sounds adventure very game adventure game. <laughs> it is,
2: it really is.
1: And then do you do you combine the tea bag with a fishing rod or something? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, no, that sounds fantastic. And uh, yeah, DLS, hello DLS. Uh, they say feelies are the best. So, um, uh, yeah, and Liam says, really interesting. Uh, and then Jim Hughes asks, who is the narrator in the trailer? Sounds very familiar. Yeah,
2: so that's George Ledoux. I hope I'm pronouncing his surname right, but an incredible voice actor. And I, sh- I can actually say with the trailer as well, if you watch our trailer and also watch the, very, the original trailer for Broken Sword 1, you'll see we were very much... Basing our trailer on what Broken Sword did, there's a there's a voice actor that did the Broken Sword one trailer that also voiced the opening for um, Count Duckula, which was a British cartoon series in like the 70s 80s I think something like that. Um, but his voice is fantastic, and I we I just went to George and said, "Can you sound like this?" and he nailed it. His mm. it, it is perfect.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think I, a lot of people would agree with you there. Um, uh, well, thank you, Jim. Uh, Josh Ritter asks, did the script go through many rewrites or was the story already very clear in your mind from the start? I mean, we already spoke about the start of it, but have there been many rewrites since you started working on this, chose this story, uh, for the game?
2: I don't think there was many rewrites, but the time it took to get the story in its final form was about six months.
1: Okay. Um,
2: and my wife and I would kind of just go for walks and she'd just have to listen to me for the whole walk, go, <laughs> maybe this could happen. What about if this happened, would that make sense? And I think there's, there was one bit, there's, a, there's a, a couch right next to me and I was sat on that couch when I had the light bulb moment of how the twists all come together and how the story works. And that was when I go, when, okay, I've got it now. I've got the story. Let's try and start making the game.
1: Okay. Uh, and then Adventure Game Geek asks Is that an inventory item t shirt that you're wearing?
2: It is. <laughs> it's just, yeah, Monkey Island 2.
1: Oh, that's fantastic.
2: Yeah, this was, this was a Christmas present for my wife. I think my, my wife's got an, like a never ending, um, never ending options for Christmas presents for me because there's just loads of adventure game stuff that I want.
1: <laughs> yeah well i mean yeah. she, she she sounds like a keeper i've never met her but if she says <laughs> she gives you adventure game merchandise it's like yeah i, th- I think you're very and, lucky
2: <laughs> and, w- and when i say to her i want to make a full-length professional adventure game she didn't say that's ridiculous she said go on then and i'll help that. you
1: i'll just learn programming while i'm at it <laughs> exactly. yeah the funny uh, thing
2: about the t-shirt is that i want I wanted to do a foolish mortals version of this t-shirt where we because we have a hundred inventory inventory items in the game. So kind of pretty much similar. At one point I actually played through a bunch of adventure games and wrote down the number of in- inventory items in each one, just so I knew I was kind of hitting the right scale of game. Um, but we have a over over a hundred, and I wanted to put them all on a T-shirt, but I realised I would be giving away so many spoilers for what the puzzles were if I wore that anywhere. So maybe
1: in yeah. a few in a few years or after, the, well, after once the, game the game's released, released yeah. I'm
2: making that T-shirt definitely.
1: Do, do do you plan on adding any merchandise for while we're talking about T-shirts uh, to the game? Or
2: um, I don't. Maybe I think Redbubble allows you to do something like that, but it's not something I'm really thinking about at the moment. Okay, um, I, I, even if it's just for me, I'd like to make a t-shirt one I?
1: Yeah, look, ab- absolutely, we, you know, uh, think, uh, you know, it's a big box, so then, as well, uh, merchandising, even if it's just for you, so you can show off things, just one in existence.
3: Yeah, <laughs> we actually,
2: I should say, we did consider doing t-shirts for the Kickstarter, um, but there were kind of two reasons we didn't. One is that getting the sizing right for countries all around the world would just be a nightmare. And the other one was um, Jamie Stegmaier, I think is his name. He, he wrote a book on crowdfunding because he's a board game designer who's crowdfunded a bunch of really awesome um, board games. And and he said, if you'll make, his advice was do something that's appropriate to your product. If you're making an adventure game, the adventure game should be your product, that not t-shirts. You're not a clothing manufacturer. Yeah. So that's, That's what I simplified it down to. Now, that's not to say we didn't pack out big box with with cool stuff, but they're all meant to be things that directly tie into the adventure game.
0: Yeah, I would would agree,
2: yeah, because
1: there have been cases with other developers that say you're going to have T-shirts and all of this physical merchandise. And then what I don't think they realize is the cost of it as well and the difficulty. (laughs) And uh, So at least with the big box, I'm sure it's going to be challenging as well, but it is... um, it is more relevant to an adventure yeah. game, you know, because I don't think there are many T-shirts of adventure games, but there are a lot of big boxes. So right. uh, I would I would agree with that as well. Um, now, uh, DLS had a question. we will get uh, get to that as well. But uh, you mentioned in the Kickstarter that um, you want, I believe, the the feel of it. So like Monkey Island, as we mentioned, was like riding Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Uh, you wanted this game to be able to step off To uh, step out of your doom buggy on Disneyland's haunted mansion, right? Um, Yeah, uh, which we which we spoke about, and I suppose going on from that, uh, you have mentioned, I believe, that this game you your two biggest inspirations are Monkey Island and Broken Sword. Uh, So a lot of developers say things like that. This is you know Monkey Island, he's Broken Sword, and all. In this game in particular, how exactly do do you mean that this game, or how do you envision? foolish mortals being like monkey island and broken sword uh, yeah it, it
2: is a common thing that people say and you can understand why it's because it kind of that it, it's it, it definitely kind of paints a picture of the type it's, it's, of game. it's
1: marketing as well but in, in your case
2: <laughs> yeah in my case it was it was really a conscious effort because they were my two favorite games and the tricky thing with it is that they're not two games that are easy to push together they're very different games and so it took quite a bit of thinking to figure out what is the way that we can combine them um so most obviously the way we've managed to combine them is that the graphic style is broken sword style line work meets monkey island style coloring okay um which is the most obvious one but then when you get into it um there's a lot of um kind of uh lot of ways we've taken one thing from one and one thing from the other so the story structure for example is very much monkey island style structure it's four parts and in each part you're given multiple items that you have to find in kind of parallel chains in the early parts they're just kind of um they don't intersect but by the time you get to part three it's a whole tangled web of interconnected puzzles just like um Booty Island, Scab Island, and mm. Fat Island, and Monkey Island too. Um, but then, uh, from Broken Sword, we took the um, first person past tense narration of telling you the story. Um, and which was also one of my favourite films is is Sunset Boulevard. So kind of, kind of classic um, film noir, but that's done with this past tense narration. Um, which is something that we wanted to do as well. Obviously the the, the interface is very much Broken Sword style interface. Um, the dialogue is LucasArts style dialogue where you have um, written out dialogue options. The main reason there being we couldn't afford the budget for hundreds of icons mm. the way Broken Sword does it. It was That was a cost <laughs> thing. That was one of those things where we had to be careful about. Um, and we have, like, the, the the humor is very much meant to come from the eccentricity of the character. We don't break the fourth wall. We don't have references. We just have, hopefully, funny, weird characters to entertain people. Um, yeah, that's hopefully how we try to meld it. Um, but, yeah, hopefully it'll work.
1: Yeah, I mean, from I've played about 20 minutes uh, of uh, your demo, and I think so far, I think it seems to be uh kind of you get the feel of it, as you mentioned, the colouring and the graphics, but also uh the first person narration. And also I believe there was a moment in the game where it had the, the bell sound when I think something uh like in Broken Sword, when you, you you hear something, and then the, the conversations uh were with the Undertaker. <laughs> um, but again, you mentioned that there aren't really any references because I did feel okay, this is similar, but it's also its own thing, it's not trying to be these games, which I think a lot of other adventure games try to to be that, or with now again, I would particularly mind references, but sometimes it takes me out of a game. Um, yeah, I don't know what your what's your feelings are, what your thoughts. Are. Yeah, I think
2: sometimes they can be done well and sometimes <laughs> yes. they can just take you out of the moment. Like um one of my friends is um Tom Hardwich, who is doing Lucy Dreaming. And his game has a ton of references to stuff which work brilliantly. Yeah, I do have to mention supports- Tom
1: Hardwick. Somehow, at least from the Devil, uh, it does work because at no point did I feel like I want to play those games. It kind of I don't I don't know how it uh, happened that.
2: Yeah, well, he, he. I think it's like he he. It fits the theme and the story yes. and style, and it's it feels holistic. I think. Whereas mm. I think some other games, if you're if you're trying to like your his game is trying to immerse you in 1990s culture. But mm. if, I, if I was trying to immerse the player in 1930s Louisiana, but then was talking about Star Wars and Grim Fandango and everything, it wouldn't quite work. So
0: yeah, if you I mean, that's not to jokes, say there aren't
2: references, I think, but mainly they're um, they're probably theme park references. I'm kind of really interested for uh, theme park fans to play through the game and see if they can point out some of the things that I've referenced there.
1: Okay, well, I'm sure we shall find out now. Uh, going on to you know the making of the game, DLS in the chat in the chat asks, are you using a game engine uh, or building your own from scratch?
2: We're using Vision S Studio, mm. which, oh, is, which is which is terrific. It's it's got some quirks, but it's it's <laughs> really, really good. Um, and it exports as well to like PC, Mac, iOS, Linux, uh, Switch. So it, it's yeah, that's that's it's a really I... good engine.
1: So so what, so presumably that's one of the reasons. But what why did you choose this over all the other um, game engines like Unity, Unreal Engine, and or creating it your was, own? What what was it about Visionary Studio?
2: It was mainly I mean, we it was mainly left up to my wife that she made this decision, but it was <laughs> primarily because of Lua being able to code it code in Lua because there are a couple of puzzles that are a bit different to typical adventure game puzzles. They're, they're, I should clarify, they're not like timed things. They're not action-based things. They are puzzles that adventure game players will like, but they're not the typical adventure game puzzle. Um, and it was going to be t- really tricky to program that in, in, in another engine. We actually, when we when we started the original thing, one, of, one bit of advice that Ron Gilbert gives for programming adventure games is to completely skeleton out your game as a wireframe game from the start and we actually did that we we programmed the whole of part 1 with my terrible sketchy drawings this is before we got any artists involved um for the for the whole of part 1 in adventure creator for unity but then we thought okay well why don't we do this in visionaire as well and see which one we prefer so we programmed both part 1s entirely in both in both engines and from that we thought that um yeah visionaire
1: was the one we wanted to go for nice and I believe uh, the, the the Dalek that uh, also used visionaire for the pony their their games I believe yeah. and and more recently nine more lives um a game we really really liked uh they use visionaire as well and looked fantastic all the games have actually looked fantastic uh, Lucy
2: dreaming as well that's Visionaire. is it oh I didn't know. Yes. that looks so different right yeah uh, it's yeah it's really classic style isn't it
1: yeah. Oh no, that's that's fantastic. And uh, well, Liam says uh, I like to hurry back in the demo. <laughs> <laughs>
2: As a theme park reference, yeah. <laughs> ah,
1: okay, okay, okay. That's one. <laughs> um, so well, I suppose um, you mentioned uh, about some of the puzzles in in the demo. You didn't want to frustrate them, but then I suppose you still want. Uh, to chat I, I mentioned that us adventure game fans can be very fickle that the puzzles are too difficult or too easy not easy enough so right. how did you go about creating the puzzles and what did you did you do anything to help the player or did you do you leave players on your own devices or or just just a, what, what kind of puzzles can we can we expect and uh, how did you go about creating them
2: so they are, they're totally classic adventure game puzzles that, like I said, there's no timed thing. There's no action things in there.
1: Okay. So, all... so no timed mazes When you talk classic, uh, slider puzzles or.
2: <laughs> no, I'm trying, I'm trying to think no slider puzzles, no <laughs> block puzzles. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to just kind of go through the puzzles in I head, to make my head to make sure that that is correct. But yeah, that's, but yeah, it's, it's very much the classic style of, of puzzle. Actually the first thing I did when I, started writing out the puzzles was I played through a bunch of adventure games and wrote down um, and then what became an encyclopedia of puzzle archetypes. Where yes. it's uh, yeah, which were like conversation, dialog puzzles and um, help puzzles, kill puzzles, some um, um, uh, destroy puzzle. Yeah, all the, all the these types of these puzzles, because my aim was that I didn't want the puzzle just to be constantly this character needs this item. Well, if you give them this, they'll give you that. Now go to this character and they'll give you that. I didn't want, I, I want it to be more interesting than that. So that's what I did. And then it turned out that I realized that I could, that might be helpful to other adventure game designers. So for every day, for about, for, I, I think for the past two weeks, maybe, maybe longer. And for the next four weeks, I'm posting one of those entries every day on my Twitter and from that, I had some people messaging me and going, "Are you going to put these into a booklet? Because that would be really useful." Yeah. <laughs> I realised, well, I'm putting together big boxes for the game. I'll put that into 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 the big box as well. And it was Liam that did the awesome artwork. I don't I don't think I've yet to show a close up of the cover that he drew for it. But it's uh, an assortment of classic adventure game inventory items on there. Yeah. Every single item is from a different uh, from an adventure game. And hopefully people might have a bit of fun figuring out which one is which
1: oh, fa- fantastic uh well uh thank you thank you Liam. uh for look <laughs> look forward to seeing it and uh yeah no that's really interesting because I was seeing on Twitter that was it's a the puzzle theory that uh yes, that's it yeah let's see and you've already had good feedback to it which I'm sure it's really helpful to other developers because uh I imagine would that, do you think? was it difficult to try and add puzzles that are logical but challenging and well integrated into the story and into the game
2: yeah i hope so yeah i hope i hope i've done it successfully one of the things i want to get feedback really from the demo is whether people find the puzzle difficulty the right amount now it is the beginning of the game so it is meant to be short linear puzzles Mm. kind of similar to part one of monkey island two and they do get they get longer in part two and convoluted in part three but I still want to make sure that they are at the right level of difficulty. Um, as it seems like the best way to, it's easy to make puzzles easier by signposting them more, but it's hard to make them more difficult. Um, mm. and I, but I think it just had to kind of be instincts as to how you do the puzzles. I think the, the way I went about doing the puzzles was I wrote down a list of um, aspirational things that I'd like to happen in the game. Like I'd like for the player to get buried alive, for example, and then I built the story moments about how can I get the player to that position. Um, and I also did put a lot of work into making sure that there are no dead ends
0: right for the the game.
2: <laughs> um, so people, yeah, adventure game fans can be don't have to be worried about that.
1: So okay, that's good. So no Sierra like dead ends or early mm-hmm. '90s, late '80s, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and for a game about ghosts where where Murphy opens the game by saying, I'd have to die too. Mm. Um, it's not a player death in a Sierra-style <laughs> player death. It's
1: part of the story, part of the... Yeah, it's
2: part of the story.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm I'm very curious. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, so then, um, uh, you know, we, we heard some of the voice acting. Well, in The trailer we mentioned that the narrator, and then in the game, uh, we have some of the voice actors. So... What, what can you tell us about some of the voice actors? I mentioned to you before that they sounded authentic. I'm not from Louisiana, but they sounded like they were from Louisiana, where the game is set. So, what can you tell us about the voice actors who we meet in the game? And
2: yeah, so I'm not I'm not from Louisiana either. Which so, so maybe <laughs> I I think they sound authentic as well. But no, <laughs> I think the, the voice actors kind of just were amazing in terms of authenticity. Actually. The, the biggest thing there is that there are some britishisms that i have written into the script that i didn't realize were britishisms so it was i i, I didn't know to to edit them out but um we got josh mandel who is adventure game royalty oh, wow quite, quite literally with with king graham he joined for the demo and um, co-wrote a lot of the conversations with me and went through the dialogue I wrote to edit out things that were British um, so yeah
1: So was it cool. does sound authentic now with Josh Mandel who came on board. How <laughs> did you get him on board? <laughs>
2: um, it was well, I, I knew I needed to co-write it because there's so much dialogue in, it, in an adventure game that I was kind of trying to produce and direct it at the same time as I was trying to write it was just getting really tricky, um, especially when you don't have someone to bounce content ideas off. Like the way it ended up happening is Josh would write something and that would mean I got inspiration to write a whole, a, a whole other bit of dialogue and that would inspire him to write another bit of dialogue. And it's just a much more productive process if you had someone. So I, so I initially just put on online, I'm looking for a co-writer for an adventure game and I, th- I think either Josh directly emailed me or someone suggested him to me. And that's, yeah, that's how it came about.
1: Fantastic. You know, it's great. Might as well get the best.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, t- I, t- <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, that, that, that's fantastic. So, uh, so yeah, so these are, so then the the voice actors, how did you go about uh, finding the voice actors for, for these roles? And what can you t- tell us about them?
2: But that was another thing where I had, I had full expectation that no one would reply to me at <laughs> all. So I just, I just put it on Twitter and said, I'm looking for voice actors. I ended up getting over 1,000 auditions. Wow. Yeah. And I listened through every single one of them.
1: Wow. Listen to all 1,000 1, auditions. Yeah.
2: And the crazy thing is, it was for it, the, the demo, ha- the demo has eight characters in it. The full game has an additional 25 characters in it. And so once I realized i I've got a thousand auditions, I was going, oh my goodness, what's that going to mean when I get auditions for 25 characters? That's going to be 4,000 and something auditions I'm going to have to listen to. So I'm going to have to change the way I do do the voice <laughs> act, find voice actors. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just getting auditions and then people, um, uh, yeah, just sent them in. I listened through them and... Yeah, there were a lot of really good auditions, but I'm really happy with the voice actors we ended up with.
1: Uh, yeah, and who are the, the the voice? So who plays the main character, Murphy McGallaghan? Can you tell us anything about him?
2: Murphy McCallie, that's Josh Fortillo. Okay. Um, yeah, too. Yeah. that was really fun. We had like a, the, the demo recording took about five hours to go through all the dialogue. And it was so surreal because at one point he was reading, he was reading out the the inventory um, descriptions, like when you right click on an inventory item and, and Murphy says it was a blah, 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 blah. And as he was reading the lines out, it felt like I was playing the game kind of months ago. Just it yeah, was yeah, a,
1: I can imagine a real
2: experience. Yeah. Um, And then we've got um, a leader, Louie, who is the editor at the the newspaper. Um, Gerald Hill, who's in the chat now, who plays (laughs) Ned Kipps. Um, uh, We have um, uh, Joey Sawless, I think his surname is pronounced, who plays the Gravedigger, who does a really great kind of almost cartoony, but still realistic um, uh, uh, way of doing uh, uh, the character um yeah, some really, really, really yeah, no, good that,
1: voice uh, yeah, no, from what I've played, it do sound uh really good and as I mentioned authentic. So looking forward to finding out more, especially the fishermen. <laughs> um <laughs> it's uh, looking forward to getting getting there. Uh I, I suppose that uh, we've spoken about uh you know the colouring and the background. Um, but again for people listening uh who maybe mightn't have seen the trailer, how would you describe the well, the backgrounds and the graphics uh, in the game. So what, what yeah, how, how would you say that uh, what your objective is and how would you describe someone who hasn't seen the game?
2: Well, we, I think when I started it, the, the goal that I wrote down was dripping with atmosphere. Mm. And that's kind of what led led everything with, with, with the graphic design. Um, the way it worked is that we actually have two concept artists who... Drew out the backgrounds initially in concept form. Three actually, in that we had one other person who's a former Imagineer, um, who designed Splash Mountain at Walt Disney World and Toontown at Disneyland California, and he designed Belmore Manor and Dead Nettle, the port town at the in in, in the game. Um, but then we had two other concept designers um, who did uh, all the others. Yevhen Karpenko's, a Ukrainian artist, um, and um oh uh derek benson uh who's a video game artist um and then once we once we had those um we then got the line work drawn up by uh an artist called david chapura and the artwork that he's done is absolutely fantastic just it's just black on white but they look amazing and then after that we gave them to tanya Rieri, um who's an artist that worked on broken sword Mm five yes and she colored everything apart from two backgrounds just because we had a, a scheduling clash on two of them but um 60 something backgrounds she colored and they're fantastic
1: yeah no they absolutely again we said oh the first thing that i think many people noticed and uh got her attention and uh and yeah then from there the story and uh everything and uh, and yeah now you got you're successful on Kickstarter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I should say as well, it's that, that how good their, their art is. That's the reason that I wanted to do the art book because I mm. realized that, that that concept art is incredible and the line work art is incredible. And if it wasn't for an art book, that would never be seen. Um, so I, I, yeah, I knew I had to put it. And, and, and also the character design as well, the graphic design as well, all the documents and, and, and things like that. Um, and even I want to have a section on the animation as well, because um uh Matthew Creed, who's the animation director on the game, has sent me so many photos of him and uh, videos of him acting out movements that have gone into the game. I think I have to put those together on 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 paper and so people can see what he what he went through to get the the animation that was needed.
1: Oh fantastic. I love the little extras as well that go with games as well. So really appreciate it as well so I'm looking forward uh, to that um, uh, well there are two questions I will get to Jim Hughes' question in just a bit uh, but Gerald Hilden asks what he says I love the level of detail that's gone into the art style and world building as we mentioned it shows in the dialogue big, bo- big box items and artwork did the visual design change throughout the development of the game?
2: Uh, I, I don't I don't think it did actually I think we I knew what I was after in my head and it's it's quite by saying broken sword line work meets monkey island coloring Mm. I think really encapsulate encapsulates it so it was just a process of finding the artists that I needed to be able to deliver that and I think I just got incredibly lucky Um, just with with um, the concept artists and line work artists that was just going through Reddit that was just saying this is what I'm after can anyone provide this and being extremely lucky that they got in touch with me with Tanya I actually went through the credits for Broken Sword 5 to look <laughs> up who contributed the artwork for it and then sent her an email based off that and fortunately, she had an open schedule at the time so we were able to do it
1: oh, f- fantastic uh yeah no definitely you, you're working with really talented animators and you know artists and uh, which we can clearly see as well um and uh, yeah i'll ask you jim hughes a question now which a question that i was going to ask as well but i'll ask you this now if this game is successful which at least a kickstarter already is but if this game is successful uh have you already uh, do you already have ideas for a follow-up or would you use any <laughs> of the ideas or do you have any ideas what do you do after uh (laughs) releasing this game if it's successful and let's say it will be
0: (laughs) well the the
2: the thing yeah it's so I I should say that so most of this game has been I've self-funded okay so I've I've put obviously we have nowhere near the budget of big budget adventure games it's definitely an indie game um Mm -hmm. but it it is I if it then I need to be um, I, I need to be financially successful with the project if I was to ever think about think about making a second one, because I don't think I could financially sustain going through this again. Otherwise, right? Um,
1: You're only going bankrupt.
2: Yeah, that I think that's what 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 would happen. And the 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 budget that I've been working with is so tight. Um, so yeah, it's 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 been tr- It's been hard fun. I think is the phrase that <laughs> comes out. So I do. I do occasionally have ideas of what we could do as a follow-up, but whenever I say tell them to my wife Sophie, she just goes, "No, let's finish <laughs> this one first and see what happens then." Which I think is probably the right attitude to take towards
1: that. That I think that's fair. Fair enough. She, uh, she, yeah, she she sounds very smart, logical as well, um, <laughs> but. Uh Yeah, so t- thank you, Jim, uh, as well. Now, well, Jared Hill says the adventures of Ned Kipps.
2: <laughs> <laughs> work, yeah.
1: And uh, Mat- Matthew Creed uh, says hello. He says I pretty oh. much acted the whole game. By the way, hi, hello, Matthew. Very good. Uh,
0: That's we an just mentioned
1: director. Oh, uh, perfect. It was um, incredible.
2: It, it's it's I it, I actually I went through. I got in touch with a lot of animation studios when I was trying to first. Um, get figure out the animation for the game and I feel so lucky that um Jammy Custard were interested in doing it because they, they, they are not just delivering the minimum that's needed for the game, they have mm. just as much passion for getting the animation as good as it possibly can be and I'm so grateful to all of the animators for doing that like Matthew will get in touch with me and go you know this animation that we did three months ago I found a way to improve it. Here's the files. And then we can just immediately put them into the game and it's it's even better. It's it's fantastic working with them.
0: Oh well, that's, that's Jammy
2: custard animation. I should give them a, a proper call out. They're based in, in Cardiff.
1: Oh f- fantastic. Uh, yeah it's great to hear from people like that their passion to themselves that they're always looking to I suppose improve but you know make it better even and then go back to you. Yeah. It. And it's that, um... that's
2: that's the biggest thing. It's like oh I think pretty much everyone on the project has done that. Like David Chapura will will go, uh, I'll ask him to, to, to do a background and to do something one way. And he's come back to me before and said, you know, this would be better if we did it this other way. And that's more work for him to do, but he suggests it and he's right. That is the better way to do it. And then he delivers on it spectacularly. And yeah, it, it's so good that the team we have on the game.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's great to hear. Uh, so I suppose then now uh, keep the questions coming in if you have any more questions so I will uh I will certainly do my best to to ask them but I wanted to ask you then about the Kickstarter which we have mentioned but I don't think we've spoken about much yet apart from the fact that it has been incredibly successful already after one day <laughs> um so uh, so you mentioned that you self-funded at first, uh, how much of the game has already been funded and how much is left with the Kickstarter then? How much do you need? Uh, I mean, it's already funded with the Kickstarter, but how much is left yeah. then?
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's sunk in yet. It's <laughs> like I've just been having worries that I won't be able to afford the rest of the game. And now to know that that money is yeah. there, that it's ready to pay for it, it's just, yeah, unbelievable. The, 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 the money specifically is... The, the two big expenditures that we need to make are the last um, batch of animation um, and also the voice acting for the full game because um, we have a, a lot of lines of dialogue mm. and a lot of characters as well. So those are the two main ones. But then in addition to that, we need we, there is some a small amount we need to put towards um, testing it fully, um, uh, porting it, to as many platforms as we can. I, I, I can't wait for one day having a Nintendo Switch version. I think that'll be awesome. Um, and and so, some smaller things like that. But saying that all the character design is done, all the backgrounds are done, apart from the ones that are in the stretch goals, um, all the graphic design now is done. Um, the the music is all paid for. Um, yeah, it's... Wow, it's so- yeah, it's it's. We, we, it, I, I know a lot of people kind of, some people go to Kickstarter and kind of just throw a number out there. But mine was very much, this is how much I can put into the game. This is how much more I need to finish it. And that's, that's what I put it down as my Kickstarter goal.
1: No, fantastic. Because so this was a specific goal that you just to finish the game. It's not like you haven't started or you've only done this very small section. It's nearly done, but you just need yeah. a little bit more to get over the line.
2: That's it. I, d- I didn't feel I could go to people and ask for money for the game without putting in two years of my life um, and 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 as much money as I could afford into it myself before I then asked people to help me finish it off.
1: Um, f- fantastic. Now, we spoke about the two stretch goals, but I uh, know maybe when this uh, comes out from the podcast, uh, <laughs> there will be more stretch goals. Or you presumably have made more money. Uh, from the Kickstarter, do you have any other stretch goals in mind? I know you work you're you're engaging with the community for feedback uh, yeah. and, and I don't know and I would certainly don't want to ask you to reveal it if you can't, but do you have yourself in your mind some stretch goals so if you get say I'd you know say you get thirty thousand, will that make the game much bigger or would you be putting something else? Uh, do you have anything in mind?
2: Yeah, uh, I th- I've got there are lots of ideas. There are definitely lots of opportunities for stretch goals. I think the biggest thing is figuring out what order to put them in and and what do people want most and trying to deliver on, on that. I think my philosophy with the stretch goals um, is that I want them to be things that improve the game for everyone. So I don't want one of the stretch goals to be something that only benefits the people who pledged for the big, big box, because that's just Mm. a small niche of the people who've contributed to the project. So every stretch goal is going to go directly towards making the game itself better. Um, So that might be additional puzzles, additional backgrounds, additional animation, additional music, um, uh, translations for the game, um, things like that. But I I definitely want people to tell me what they would most be interested in um, for the ones that we might get to in the future. And the best way to do that is well, we have a Discord as well. Um, so if people join that and let me know what they think, they're really helpful.
1: Okay. Uh, and so, so then, yeah, you mentioned some of the rewards, like a big box as well. Uh, what, what what can we expect with some of the rewards? So first of all, what's in this big box that is along with the game? Because there are a few really cool items that a I saw. Lot,
2: a lot of stuff is in the big box. That's the thing, yeah. So, I want it to be like, I, I want it to be that you, you so I, I, I should say, right. So about two years ago, I got a present from my wife and it was this wooden crate um, that was like nailed shut. Um, and it was all themed to be like an ancient Egyptian um, museum delivery. And so I, 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 my wife got it and she actually had to get a hammer out to pry the nails out of the crate. And then she opened it and there was straw inside it. And there was um, like archaeological documents and photographs, old photographs and um, uh, uh, maps of Egypt and telegrams and all amongst straw and, and, and things like that. And it was just so it, it felt like you were part of a story, being able to take all of these, these things out and piece together what went on on this archaeological dig. And that was the inspiration I had for the big box. I wanted to pack it with documents that felt like you were really kind of immersed in the world of foolish mortals. So we've got um, a newspaper from 1899 on uh, when uh, the Belmore Trading Company brought a mysterious um, shipment back to the island. Um, We've got Abigail Belmore's um, wedding schedule from the the fated wedding wh- that disappeared 30 years ago um, we've got the magazine that um, murphy mccallan found that told first told them about the legend of belmore manor um, we've got tarot cards in there um yeah just all of these really cool documents and the cool thing about with with them as well is that we're going to get them printed on paper appropriate to what they are so the newspaper is going to be painted printed on like flimsy paper that feels like real newspaper um the 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 wedding schedule is going to be on cardstock like you get at an actual wedding and so it's all going to be tangible and you're going to be able to yeah feel it and then the content of it there's there's backstory and lore and clues and additional information and everything that you'll be able to get by going through all of these documents um, and then, in addition to that, I should also say we're putting a manual in there as well, but like a proper retro style manual. <laughs> that yeah,
1: has... I, I, I miss those.
2: I know. I, yeah, because I, that, that's what would happen with me. Like, I'd buy a new big box, um, and then in the car on the way home, I'd, in the back seat, I'd open the box, and I'd already be in the game because I was reading the manual, and I want that feel again. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So Love. a lot of
1: cool stuff. It sa- sounds very well thought out and really cool. Now, first of all, again, kudos to your wife. I mean, she went above and beyond. I've, n- I've, I've never heard of, heard of anyone getting a present like that. The-
2: yeah, it was so cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, wow. And uh, it's,
2: it, it, it's like it was like adventure game brought to life. It was just,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, well, you know, (laughs) um, it sounds fantastic. And then you had the big box as well. Everything goes, as we said, everything is relevant uh, to the game itself. Um, Now, I know there have been other developers who also promised, uh, you know, well, we mentioned T-shirts and physical rewards, but I don't think they really considered the cost or how much effort and how much work it would be. And I know that some of them didn't end up sending the rewards to people. So, uh, have you thought about that, you know, with the cost and, uh, have you planned out or have you spoken to any other developers, uh, who have, uh, done Kickstarters or anything just to get yourselves prepared or?
2: Yeah, I did. I, <laughs> I did. So I, I think I've emailed every printing company in not just my County, but like the entire Northeast of the United Kingdom to make sure I had proper quotes for everything that I wanted to get. Um, and 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 in addition to that i put safety margins into it as well um okay just to make sure yeah i i put i tried to put a lot of work like fingers crossed nothing any nothing else major changes but (laughs) i i i think the thing is i'm i personally can't wait to get that big box and hold that all of that stuff that that's going into it so that's driving me to make it the best for everyone and make sure it's not just fanciful.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's, uh, sounds, uh, again, it sounds, again, I just said it sounds fantastic. I have included a link in the description. I'm sure everyone watching now is aware, but just in case people want to check out uh, what's on it as well. And, um, and I will include it in the show notes for people who want to check it out. Uh, but Are there any other rewards that you have to... Uh, get uh, the big box, or can I get just a digital reward if uh, if people choose as well? So, what other rewards can people get?
2: Yeah, so if, if I'm remembering my numbers correctly, 14 pounds is just for the, the the digital game. Um, but like I mentioned, that's the digital game with all of the stretch goals that we unlock as well. So even if you're backing at that level, you'll still get everything we managed to add in. Next one up from that is 24 pounds, which is the deluxe digital version, which will include Um, a digital version of the art book a digital um version of um the diary of murphy mccallan which is another book that we're doing which is going to be a a a narrative narrativized walkthrough of the game which is inspired by the monkey island hint books um, from the early 90s where which was the, the the memoirs of guybrush threepwood And it's, it's like, it's, it's a story written walkthrough that I was addicted to as a child. So I knew that I wanted to have, I I think in one of the classes at my school, we were asked to bring in a book to read and I brought in the hint book for Monkey Island one. And my teacher had to say, that's, that's not a story. And I went, no, no, look, in the back, it's it's written out as a story. And I was allowed to I was allowed to read it for our reading time.
1: But hey, <laughs> you managed to and get then, that in there.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then after that, it goes up. The, then it goes to the big box, um, which has all that stuff in. Then a deluxe big box, which also comes with the art book and a physical version of Murphy's Diary. Um, we're going to do some metal pens for the Belmore Trading Company, which is kind of the big organization that's in the game and also the Captain's Club, which is one of the key locations in the game. Um, And then I think I'm missing one out here, but I think then, and then we go up to at the very top, there's a, oh, then there's a a deluxe big box plus, which is the big box, all of the deluxe stuff as well, but also a bunch of, um, we have three add-ons that we're offering as well. And then beyond that, there's an executive producer credit as well, people really want to um, <laughs> back us um, and the, the i should go into the three add-ons because they're quite they're quite cool um uh the the big one being the one that um liam in the chat has helped me help me with which is the the um spectral sense of the devil's rock perfumery um where you'll actually get to smell what these locations in the game smell like oh wow and liam Liam sent me up, um, uh, he sent me up at one point, he sent me seven different sea smells to think which one of these smells most like the beach of Devil's Rock. Wow. Which is not something I expected to be doing, but it, <laughs> it was so much fun. But it, it's so much fun going because they 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 match up. So the, there's the river boat in the game, the voodoo riverboat, the spirit queen, and so we have like fire and incense and those type of smells that you can you can like take mm. out when you go to that location. And I think it yeah in, we've I've included in the Kickstarter that it hasn't been done since 1986 with the goddesses of Phobos. Well, wow, that's 36
1: years spin ago. Spin yeah, that's well, wow, that's fantastic. So that's 36 years ago that it has been done since then. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, and it's long overdue, I think. Absolutely.
1: So we could see it <laughs> again uh, what Lee says, excited to create a stink. <laughs> uh, no, but it shows that you have really got, you know, taught, thought about this. And as you mentioned, you are Uh, successful and um, uh, yeah we'll get to uh, hello Louise Art again my apologies for pronunciation I'll get to uh, your question in just a second Uh, so first of all about the Kickstarter do you have any advice to any other developers who want to go on Kickstarter uh, start a game of Kickstarter so what advice would you give people as now a successful Kickstarter uh, creator uh, Uh, what would you say to people
2: to, at the moment, I don't know, because I don't think it's quite in that I have been <laughs> successful. It, because literally three days ago, I was in exactly the same boat of just asking other adventure game developers, does this look right? Have I priced this correctly? Does this look enticing? And I was just, I think I asked a dozen adventure game developers who've done Kickstarters whether this looked right to them. And it's, yeah, it hasn't sunk in yet, that it's <laughs> gone well. <laughs>
1: uh well well it has gone very well and and again uh l- well luis i i will call him because i can't pronounce it he says hi this is luis keep up the good work we love your game do you have plans for other platforms as well which i think we've already covered but you mentioned switch
2: yeah so yeah so Vision Air allows us to do P- uh, pc mac uh ios android linux switch i think that's that's so we yep. we, we we did Oh, uh, yeah, so we definitely... We're, we actually already have a demo for the Mac. Um, the only problem is that there's a, a really annoying bug where you if you move the cursor to the very top or the very bottom of the screen, it shoots along to the side for some reason. And we need we just ran out of time to be able to oh. fix that. For, for, so. But that won't... It, it should, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, it's not a big bug. And before long, we can get that version out. But yeah, for the full game, I definitely intend to just do as many um, platforms as we can
1: fantastic um well before we finish up if anybody has any other questions please put them in the the chat and um i meant to ask you david about the music in the game uh, do, uh so what kind of music and who uh, what can you tell us about who created the music in the game because again that's something that i thought was quite good in a demo yeah
2: it's i think it's that the composer is called matt isaac and again i it's one of those things where i just feel so lucky that I managed, mm. he, he emailed, I, I just put a call out saying, I'm looking for composers for the game. And Matt was one of those people that, that messaged me and his, art, his his music is just perfect for it. Um, like if you listen, if you go through the trailer and just listen to the music that's in the background, mm. it's fantastic. Like he wrote, we, we, we use the, we call it the foolish waltz. That's the the main theme that's used throughout the game. And that was the first piece he did for it. And he just kind of just nailed it. It just, that was the the music that set the tone for it. For the rest of the game, we are definitely trying to go Broken Sword style with it. So backgrounds have um, entrance music rather than looping background music, unless it's diegetic. The Captain's Club has some awesome pieces that loop around and we've got another location in the game with a piano player who plays piano. Mm. that's on a loop um but yeah it's he's just he absolutely nailed it and I think especially with the 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 opening the the cinematic that you in in the demo where you learn about the backstory of Belmore Manor and Abigail and the three brothers and everything his music for that is just mesmerizing and there's a big finale in the demo as well and his music is just so punchy for that it just hits perfectly and another I'm, yeah another really cool bit that i like is the music box theme of the foolish waltz now i'd, I'd love to get an actual music box made up that plays <laughs> that that would be so cool
1: yeah no it's it definitely and how did you work uh, how did you collaborate uh with the composer
2: it was mainly saying it. I, was, I sent him all of the assets that we had, and I just told him the emotion that I needed to hit for the for the scene. Um, and um, initially it was just, um, he'd write, uh, we, we called them interstitials, which I don't think is quite the right term, but it's what we ended up using, and flourishes. So interstitial for like a 30 second pieces of music, um, flourishes were like 10 second pieces of music that kind of just punctuate things. Um, and we just said we're going to need these emotions throughout the game, and he just wrote pieces for all of those emotions. And then later on, when we started working on the cutscenes and the cinematics and everything, that's where he had to work to a, a specific timing, um, uh, specific times with it. And he, he's he's so good because with the demo, we only had two weeks for him to write the music because it took. It took so much work getting the animation in and the dialogue in. And obviously the music has to follow on from that. But he managed to just do incredible pieces of music on such a tight deadline. And I'm so grateful that he was able to do it so well.
1: Oh, that's that's fantastic to hear. Uh, no, no, it's great. Uh, I suppose another question that I had is about the big bucks. So uh, say when the Kickstarter is finished, uh, if anybody's watching or listening to this after the Kickstarter and they really like the big box, do you think that it would be possible to get the big box or is it just during the Kickstarter at the moment? I would
2: I would imagine it's just going to be one print run. I,
1: right. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't...
1: But yeah, you'll still be able to get the game. <laughs>
2: yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh, but it's like, I, I might do a few extra just because <laughs> I want to make sure I have some safe ones, but... Mm. I, yeah, I think it's probably just gonna be one one run for anyone who buys it.
1: Right. And I mean we, we don't want to you know we want to healthy. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we don't want you going mad or anything. <laughs> um uh no no fantastic. Anton, when do you have any uh possible release date in mind? Are you able to say when do you take or just when it's ready?
2: I it, I know it will be next year but I'm oh, okay. not entirely sure next when next year. The, the, the problem is because this is the first time I've done a video game, there's there's things mm. where I go, okay, I think this is how long it'll take to do. And I'm wildly wrong. Yeah, a, Like some stuff-
1: It
0: always yeah, some, takes some longer. Stuff takes,
2: well, not necessarily, no. There oh. have been some things where we've gone, like just just yesterday, that was the first time we put out a patch for the game. And we thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be so much of a headache. I hope that I hope it and it was easy. It was so simple to do, mainly thanks to Steam and uh, and and their automated way of doing it. But that completely surprised me. Uh, but yeah, other stuff definitely took way longer than we expected. No, um, that that, that but, is what, true.
1: You, you made a change to the demo in one day, so presumably the day after the Kickstarter, we can expect a full game. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe that. Would, yeah, would be good if it worked that way. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I I should also say, one of the benefits that I had from having a tight budget is that I didn't have much leeway to kind of just do stuff without reason to. So the game was very much planned out. I knew exactly what backgrounds I needed, what character designs, what animations I needed very early on. And it's just been a process of building those assets up and up and up. Um, So it's, yeah, there was some planning hope i think
1: yeah no it, i think <laughs> it definitely back. uh looks it well if uh uh if anybody in the chat has any other questions last chance before we finish um because i think i have asked uh all the questions that uh, i have um is is there anything else that you would like to mention uh david that we haven't covered i know we've <laughs> been well mm-hmm. over it's an hour now
0: yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I
2: didn't realize
1: at the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's uh, fun talking about it's fun talking about the game. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, well, thank you very much uh, for as I said, I was looking forward as hoping to speak to you when I first saw the game, um, and I'm delighted to have uh, spoken. Hopefully, we can meet in person, and and yeah, again, kudos to your wife again for programming and. I think they're the best presents that anyone has ever gotten. <laughs> um, yeah, she,
2: she definitely needs a lot of credit for this game. And also, kind of going into it, I don't think she ever in her life imagined she'd be the lead programmer of a, of a dimension game. I think before me, she, I before she met me, I don't think she knew what an adventure game was. She'd just never wow. played one before. I'm going to ask you, is she an
1: adventure game fan herself or? <laughs>
2: She is she is now. Yeah. Okay, first. that's great. Yeah, when <laughs> around her favorite game is uh well two favorites are probably broken sword one, like <laughs> me, and also Toonstruck. She really likes Toon Oh she like, oh
1: that's fantastic. So uh yeah. well that's that's great that you know the two of you joined forces and you got her into adventure games. Um <laughs> no that's that's fantastic. Just building
2: the adventure game community slowly.
1: Yeah, well look, I'm gonna I'm doing the same with my partner, trying to get her into it. <laughs> she is coming to Adventure X. So that's a fantastic. that's a that's a start. Um, but yeah, uh, Noah, thank you so much, David, and c- huge congratulations on the Kickstarter! Uh, thank you very much. And uh, on the game as well, it's looking fantastic. Uh, I, like many other people, can't wait uh, to play the full version, and I look forward to seeing a development of the game uh, over the next year or so. And uh, thank you to everyone who's joined in the chat. Um, including you know Liam and Matthew and Gerald and Josh and the Game Geek and sorry if I missed anyone DLS uh, and uh, Luis and yeah George as well and uh, just everyone who's joined us and anyone listening as well if you are still listening or watching during the Kickstarter when, when is the last date again of the Kickstarter?
2: it's November 3rd or 4th of Thursday
1: okay um so you still have time if you're still watching now if you haven't backed uh already so
2: yeah uh, and i do want i want to it, it, I, I am planning so we're planning to stretch calls as well and there may even be the possibility of some new rewards being added as well
1: oh wow so keep an eye on the kickstarter page then
2: absolutely yeah
1: So uh, the link will be in the show notes and in the chat as well so well thank you david and uh hopefully yeah, we so can much. chat again soon it's been an absolute pleasure
0: yeah,
2: sounds like I'll
1: see you at Adventure X then. Yeah, looking forward to yeah. it.
2: Awesome.
1: Oh, So that was my interview with David Younger. A huge, huge thank you to David for joining me, for speaking to me. Um, ever since I saw uh, his game for the first time, I really wanted to speak to him on the podcast. So uh, thank you again, David. And uh, look forward to meeting David at uh, Adventure X and uh, finding out more about... Uh, his game in the next year and uh, by the way again huge shout out to his wife uh, i believe her name is sophie Uh, how cool is she she didn't know she didn't play any adventure games before they met but then when he said oh honey i want to make an adventure game and she said okay well i'll learn some programming and i'll program the adventure game for you and i'll give you these cool presents including a wooden crate uh with this fantastic things inside so yeah pretty amazing uh, but yeah, hopefully I can meet them uh, in Adventure X. If you're still listening to this in October 2022 and before the 4th or 3rd of November 2022, uh, you can check out the Kickstarter page and back the game then as well. So uh, yeah, that is uh, that is it for this week. Uh, thank you for joining me as always. And we'll be back next time uh, either with reviews of the latest Adventure games we'll be playing or... Um, with uh, another interview who knows but we'll be back uh, very very soon so thank you as always and uh, take care everyone goodbye
0: believe they enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregeespodcast.com so until next time thank you